Welcome to the Pastor Nora King Podcast. We're confident that the message you're about to hear will enhance and empower your life in God. Now, here's Pastor Nora. Tonight, I'm going to share just very briefly with you about a picture of an intercessor. And this picture is drawn and crafted through the Word of God. And we're going to look uh, and see what the Bible talks about as an intercessor. Now, you know to intercede, it means to be an advocate. It means to intervene. It means to negotiate, to plead, to reconcile, or to step in. And I think all those words, I love those words as it relates to a person who is an intercessor. It's one who comes alongside of God, and He uses us to make intercession for people. He uses us to stand in the gap and make up the hedge for a person, for things that are going on in their life. Now listen to this. Even when they don't care, when they don't, you know, they're not even in their right minds, they're not thinking right, He helps us to intercede or to be an advocate or to negotiate for their help and for divine intervention into their life even when they're not able to do it. And that's what an intercessor is. And God wants His people in this day and this hour to learn uh, in in a, a greater and stronger way about intercession and the power that we have in intercession. Now, we know that we do not have authority over another person's life. But we do have an authority with God to stand in the gap for someone else who is uh, too uh, incapacitated or doesn't have you know, the right thinking to where they see that they need an intervention in their life. And He can use us to help get the answer to them. But now, I do want to say, I don't want to lead you to think the wrong way that you can just go in and you can force your way upon someone because you cannot. We all have a free will. The Holy Spirit doesn't force Himself on anyone. He, he is depicted as a dove. He, he, he is that still small voice. He's the one that comes gently to deal with people, not to force his way upon people. And for, you know, we can have a forceful personality. You know, we can be the take charge type person and we see someone and we're going to fix them. And we're going to, you know, we're going to do this. And we can even spiritually take that kind of mindset, but we can't do that. You know, we can't do that. We can help them. We can intercede. We can go to the Father on their behalf. But we can't make anything happen, you know. But we can ask God to deal with the person, continually deal with them, and help in the situation that they're in. We step in. That's a good word for it. Now, Ezekiel twenty-two thirty in the New Living Bible. Um, now, here... If you read that chapter in Ezekiel 22, you will find that people are oppressing the poor, they're robbing the needy, and God is saying this, I looked for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. We need a rebuilding in this land. We need it. You know, I believe that we've had a foundation where God has built 
this nation on Christian principles. Has everybody always been a Christian? No, I do not believe that, but a, a large part of people in America, in the founding fathers and all of that, if you read about them, they have been Christians. But I searched for someone to stand in the gap in the wall so I wouldn't have to destroy the land, but I found none. That's a sad statement, isn't it there? And so God is searching for someone who will be an intercessor, who will stand in the gap, who, you know, the gaps are in, there's a wall. There's a wall up, just like around the city of Jerusalem or those ancient cities, they would have walls of protection. And what happens is uh, destruction comes, war comes, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, and their gaps, parts of the wall are missing. And so God says there needs to be someone who can step up and make up that hedge and fill in that gap in the wall. And that's who an intercessor is, really. And if you want to know the truth, that's really talking about Jesus, how Jesus came, you know, he came in. Uh, to be the great intercessor for us, didn't he? He took our sin. He was the intercessor. He took our sin so we didn't have to take it. And he redeemed us by his blood. Now, if you take your Bibles and you turn to Genesis 18... Now, when I'm talking about a picture of the intercessor, I don't think that you can really display that any more than this story here in Genesis 18 and verse number 22. Now, here, you know, in this chapter, what's going on, um, you know, that there, there's great sin, this great sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Bible says that the, it began to cry out. The sin was crying out to God. And then we come to this next scripture that we're going to read here in verse number 22. And the men turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom. And we know that's the angels. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. Now, here is a picture of an intercessor right here. An intercessor stands before the Lord. Now, what was, what was Abraham doing? He was standing in the gap. The wall was down and it was, it had, it was damaged badly because of what was going on in this situation. But Abraham, the angels left him and the Bible said he went to stand before the Lord. Now, there are people and situations in our lives where we need to go like Abraham and we need to stand before the Lord. Take our position as an intercessor. It didn't say that he laid down before the Lord or he sat in the presence of God. And there's nothing wrong with either one of those things. But it said... He was an intercessor and he went to God on behalf of other people and he stood before the Lord. And that's what we do. We stand before the Lord. An intercessor is not one who sees a need and ignores it. An intercessor is the one that steps in, who, who becomes the advocate, 
who becomes the one to reconcile situations and circumstances with people. That's what intercessors do. And if you, if you read about Abraham, it's such a graphic picture, and I love reading about this. And you see that Abraham starts out, and he said, Now, Lord, for 50 righteous people, will you spare the land? He stood before the Lord. Now, listen, an intercessor is a negotiator. Stood, well, you can't do that with God. Then why did Abraham do it? He, you can do it too. And so he went before the Lord and he said, if there's 50 righteous people, will you spare the land? And God said, yes, Abraham, you are my friend. You're the friend of God too. You know that? You are the friend of God. Okay, and so God said, for 50, I will spare the land. And then he goes on and he said, how about 40 then? Will you spare it for 40? And God said, Abraham, for 40 people, I will spare the land. And he goes on and he says 30. And then he says 20. And God said, for 20 people, Abraham, you're standing before me and you are the intercessor. See, we do not understand the power that an intercessor has in God's presence. You have a power to make a difference in this world. Doesn't matter if nobody knows your name. It doesn't matter if you don't have prestige and power in the worldly realm because you have prestige and you have power in the realm of the Holy Spirit and in the realm of God. That's where we have our prestige. That's where we have our position. We have position in God. Now, that's not so that we'll be prideful. doesn't have anything to do with that. It's just we know who we are in Christ Jesus. We're the children of God. And we're blessed with faithful Abraham, aren't we? Okay. And so then Abraham comes down and he said, Okay, Lord, don't get mad at me. Don't be angry at me. But I'm going to ask you one more time. How about for 10 people? Would you spare the land for 10 people? And God said, for 10 people, I will not destroy the land. You see what power an intercessor has? Of course, I know Abraham is Abraham, but you are a child of the new covenant. And so you have a position in God. And you can be an intercessor too and stand before the Lord. Just think about people that you see that, you know, I think about sometimes about people who are so self-destructive and they're destroying their lives in a way where they're, they're living, uh, you know, uh, abusively, you know, whether it's drugs or alcohol or promiscuity or whatever it may be. But you know that we can stand in the gap for those people? Some people have nobody to stand in the gap for them. They have nobody to pray for them. But you know, I found that God brings into our life opportunities, but do we see the opportunities? We have to determine that. Do we see the opportunities that God brings to us? Now, so here we see the sin was crying out. It was speaking and talking, and God had to do something about it, and Abraham knew it, and so he stood before the Lord. And uh, he came close to the Lord. 
He pleaded the case of the uh, righteous. If there's just 10 righteous, Lord. And then he intercedes and asks God to spare the people all the way down from 50 to 10 righteous people. Isn't it a shame that not even 10 righteous people in that place? That just shows you the power of sin and let go and not dealt with what it can lead to. Then the Lord, the Bible said, when he got down to 10, that's where Abraham stopped. And the Bible says, now listen to this, that God went his way. He went his way. Okay, if there's 10, I won't do it. And he left. But there wasn't 10, and we know what happened. And there was destruction. But this picture shows you the power of an intercessor and how God is willing to hear the intercessor's prayer. Now let's turn to Mark 2, and we're going to look here real quickly. Verses 1 through 4. Remember, this is a picture of the intercessor that we're talking about here tonight. Now listen to this in Mark 2, verse number 1. And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house. Now I'm going to tell you, when Jesus gets in the house, there's a noise. There's a noise, there's talk, there's things that, you know, are being whispered and yelled and talked about all over when Jesus gets in the house. That's why when revival hits, you know, and everybody flocks to, you know, where they hear about the sounds of revival and what's going on, it really is true because it's noised abroad that Jesus is in the house. I'm so thankful Jesus is in this house. I'm so thankful that there's liberty and freedom here. I've been in places where there isn't freedom and there isn't liberty. And I, you know, and, and not that I'm going to do some big display, but even if I wanted to worship, I, I've been in places where I couldn't worship. There was not that freedom to worship. There was not the freedom to believe what the Scripture said. I had to believe it through the eyes of the denomination that I was in. That, that's where I was. And, and I only had that liberty. And I did not have liberty to read the Bible and see the truths in the Bible and accept that and receive it. Because if I did and if I talked about it, I would be in trouble. Because I would be ostracized. And I was ostracized. <laughs> but you know what? That doesn't happen here. Now, we don't let error in. But I'm talking about within the boundaries of this word and what we see, there's freedom and liberty. And God is in the house. And when God is in the house, He sets His people free. Amen? All right. So it was noised abroad that Jesus was in the house, and straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door, and he preached the word unto them. God was in the house, and the word was preached. Can you imagine what Jesus said to them that day? Can you imagine what that looked like in that house? It was so crowded. It was, I mean, so full. Uh, people were just uh, everywhere. You couldn't move shoulder to shoulder. And they were, you know, all the door. Uh, you couldn't get in the door. They were outside everywhere. People we're trying to get to Jesus. And if you got sense today, we should be trying to get to Jesus. Amen? 
All right, so here we see this picture. Jesus comes. Everybody's talking about Jesus is here. Jesus is in the room. And He begins to speak the Word of God. And they came to Him bringing one sick of the palsy, uh, and some say paralyzed, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto Him for the press, they uncovered the roof where He was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lied, lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, He said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And you can read, read the rest of it, but I, I'm not going to. But now, I want you to look at this man. He had four friends that were helping him. Now, it could have been his brothers. He said these were, you know, he was one of four. I don't know. Maybe some could have been his brother, do you think? I just, you know, I like to look at things like that and see, well, you know, you love your family, don't you? But then he probably had friends. They loved him. They knew Jesus was in the house. They knew he was preaching the word. They knew that signs followed the word of God that was preached. They knew that Jesus was healing all over the area, delivering people and setting them free from the powers of the devil. And so they said, friend, we're going to help you. We're going to be an intercessor. And I don't know how we're going to do it, but we're going to get you in that room where Jesus is. See, that's what we need to do as intercessors. We can help people to get in the room where Jesus is. And they, they took off the tiles of the... That, that's serious to me. Well, you know, it's just so crowded. We just can't get in there. No, they didn't, they didn't say that. And they didn't do that. They went up on the roof and started taking the tiles off. What do, what do you think the man that owned that house, the family that owned that house, what do you think? I, they probably believe, well, if they take it off, Jesus will fix it for me. <laughs> so anyway, we see here, this is a good depiction of what an intercessor looks like. They took the man of the palsy that was paralyzed, that could not help himself, and they took him to Jesus. And that's what we do as an intercessor. We take people who are paralyzed in life, who the circumstances of life have been so difficult for them, so challenging for them, that they can't even deal with it themselves. But they're his friends took him, took the tiles off the roof, put him down to where Jesus was, and Jesus met him and met those intercessors there. Now, and, and you see, I, th I think it's so telling too. You remember when Jesus with Lazarus, and uh, Lazarus had been, he had died, you know, good friend of Jesus, Mary and Martha, uh, Lazarus' uh, sisters, they were sad, they were weeping, you know, and Jesus comes and He said, Lazarus, come forth. Didn't He say that? He calls him forth, but then He had men or people, I, don't, I guess it was men, I don't know, maybe some women there because women were at the tomb of Jesus. That's a good thought too, I like that. But He said, now you... You, you people that are around Lazarus, you loose him 
and you let him go. And so it required intercession on the part of someone else, not just the person. Lazarus was dead. Jesus called him forth. Resurrection power came. And that body that was dead in the tomb was brought back to life. And then the men that were around him, the intercessors that God had, began to take off the grave clothes. And see, when we are intercessors and we're people of prayer, we can help the grave clothes come off. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor Nora King. If you'd like to contact us, you can visit us online at redemptionchurch.com. We'll see you back here next week for another powerful message from Pastor Nora.